It's time for the Flagler Radio Business Report, a 30-minute roundtable discussion with local businesses. And now, your host, Kirk Keller. Good morning and welcome to the Business Report. I'm your host, Kirk Keller. This morning, I got a great guest, a great community leader in the, in the studios with me, Mike Feldbauer. Am I saying that right? You got it. Excellent. You got it. So, Mike, you are in overseeing the Flagler County Drug Program. Tell me about that. Well, I'm overseeing the Flagler County Drug Court Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, which initiated itself back in 2009 to work with the Flagler County Drug Court Program. Okay. Uh, it was started by some of the drug court team members and some community leaders that realized that there's things to help people in the world of recovery that are going through this program. They need things that the court can't do for them. Okay, it's not the court's obligation. Because they're legally bound from not doing things? Is no, that why? It's, just, it's just not part of it. Um, We'll do things, and one of the things you and I talked about in the past is is helping people get new jobs. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I can't expect the court to be doing that. Right. Um, so there was things like that that came up. So this few of the team members that are on the actual drug court team and a couple of community leaders got together and said, what can we do to help? That started back in 2009. So it that's... That's where we came from. That's still one of our primary focuses is to help the people that are in the drug court program at Flagler County. And in 2019, we expanded what we do into more community education because we found that there's a lot of lack of understanding in Flagler County on what's going on well, in the world you know, of drugs. I, I, I agree with that 100% because I thought this program was assigned by a judge. And then I saw by reading up on it, this is a volunteer program by the patients, I guess. You call them patients? or Well, no, participants. 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 Okay. What happens is if somebody gets a felony arrest, okay, and it's nonviolent, non-sexual, and somehow drug-related, it could be supposed And drugs cover alcohol? Yes. Coke, marijuana, the works. Okay. The works. Okay. Illegal use of substance that causes abuse. All right. Well, and that's what I was getting at because a lot of people don't think the drug court covers alcohol, but it is considered a drug as far as the yeah, price is yeah, concerned. Yeah, you can get, you can have DUIs, okay, and be, so what happens is that person, if the, if the arrest is a felony, it's reviewed by the state's attorney, the drug court coordinator, and then by the team, uh, to see if they would fit into what the program is. And they're offered, instead of jail term, they're offered to come into the drug court program, which right now is about 14 months long. And it gives them an opportunity to work on their recovery. In some cases, depending on what their history is and the particular individual cases, the actual felony gets wiped away, which is a big incentive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um, that's, and then once they agree to it, then it's actually a sentence. So the judge will say, okay, you agree to the terms, you understand what you're going to have to do. It's an extensive program. Yes. Okay. Then he swears him in. He says, okay, here you're sentencing to the drug court program, which gives him a 36 month drug offender probation. Okay. Which will be terminated on a successful completion of the program in 14 months or so. I was going to ask about why, because online it says 57 weeks. Why is 57 weeks? Why 14 months? That's kind of a weird number out there. 
I haven't met the weird person who put that together. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, psychologists yeah. say it takes 20 days to create a habit and 21 days to break a habit. So I thought maybe I had yeah. something to do with that. And in, in, in the world of recovery in general, you need something that's more than 30 or 60 or 90 days. No, I agree 100%. So a, a year plus usually gives it. And I think something has to do with, you know, there's there's times in between that you might not get 100% there. So you, you're in for this a little longer period of time. You might need some more specialized treatment. You're there. We have the ability to do that. Now, we've had people go way beyond that, okay, for ups and downs within the program. We're not apt to throw people out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the world of recovery, you make mistakes. Um, and some people will make those mistakes, but it's part of what they're going through. When the court and the team review it, they say, okay, we still have hope for this person. We've had people come into the program more than one time, too. They've graduated successfully, gone out, had some other issue happen, and come back into the program. So, Does the program include like private counseling or private chats? Yeah. What it has in the actual drug court program, they'll come in and what what we have there is we've got a, a drug court coordinator. His name is Mr. John Diagardi. He coordinates the program with everybody. We have uh, a treatment provider, which is now Epic Behavioral Health. And, and then we have a, a probation officer who is assigned to the group. We have a state's attorney, a, a public defender. And our team is lucky. We, we've been blessed. We have an actual physician in Flagler County that deals with substance abuse on our team, which is unlike almost every other team I've come across. They don't have that advantage. So we have – and then we've got a couple of community members like myself that sit on the team that look at it from another aspect and, and are able to develop different relationships with the participants that, than the court people do. Michael, is this a methadone-free program? Okay. Because you mentioned doctor. That's why I wanted okay. to bring that up. Well, what, what, right now, the, the head judge for the state of Florida says if MAT and, N, and ME4, that's medical assisted tr- treatment, is available, we have to accept it if it's prescribed. So, um, and that means... If there's a clinic in town that does methadone and the participant is prescribed it, okay, and cleared by our team and everything, then they can do that. Uh, this is fairly new because we never had until recently oh, really? a, method, a methadone here in town. Uh, we've dealt, we dealt with other Suboxone and we deal with uh, what's called Vivitrol, which is a non-narcotic help for both opiates, and alcohol. Um, so we've been dealing with those for a longer period of time. Now, recently, we've had to accept methadone clients in because of that. That's more or less court-ordered, right? It's no, no, we don't order any MAT. If it's prescribed by a physician or treatment provider, okay. then we accept it. So can they go to a private phys- physician and say, hey, I really need this. Can you prescribe me methadone to get off this? And they bring that to you, and then that's part of the program? That's or pretty much the, is it your doctor, your no, physician? No, our doctor reviews them, but it's it, they don't have to go to our doctor to do it. Our doctor gives us a lot of information based on the information that we have on the clients and the participants' backgrounds, current condition, what they've been into. And most MAT is for opiates. 
Mm-hmm. There's, it's not for the other the other drugs that are out there. So it's limited in what it, what it can do. So before the local methadone clinic, it was basically your program was based on tough love, is what I like to call it. Well, it was based on before methadone. We had Suboxone, okay, and we had Vivitrol. And we've had those for several years now. Um, but it's more. The court looks at two different things. When they, when the, there's a, a, an actual program, a contract that the participant signs, so he knows exactly what is going to be expected of him. If they do what they're supposed to do, okay, in all the forms, then they're rated every week, every week when they come to court, A or B. Um, so the, what the judge will talk to them about, he will, he will encourage them. You know, you're doing great. Here's the good stuff. Is there a problem? You need any help? Anything else like that? If they're falling behind, he discusses what they're falling behind on. What put them into B team instead of being on A team? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it can get tough love if we have relapses that are serious um, and they fail a drug test. They can spend a few days at the Green Roof Inn. Oh, really? In the middle of the program. That doesn't necessarily take them out of our program, just gives them a wake-up. And maybe I shouldn't ask this, but what's your personal opinion of using methadone? I mean, you're basically going from one habit substance to another habit substance. My personal opinion, okay, which has to go beyond that in what what we do, is of the MATs that are currently available, methadone would be my last choice. Um, It it appears, and I don't know who our local clinic is right now and what they're doing, but knowing how long methadone has been out there and knowing what methadone people go through, too many of them stay on it forever. Right. I, and I, any MAT is supposed to be designed to get them and little by little right. wean them down to nothing. But when you and I know when there's money involved, sometimes the weaning process takes a longer period of time. I was going to bring that up. You know, I moved here from Texas. Mm-hmm. And in the part of the Texas country that I was in, which was Texarkana, Texas, um, there's a methadone clinic, I want to say, on every block. And every one of them were great advertisers. And I'm talking three and $4,000 a week advertisers because there was money involved in it. And I, that's when I, my, I had my eyes opened about what methadone clinics are. Yeah. And uh, um, so I was kind of happy when I found out there wasn't a methadone clinic here. But now you're telling me that I'd say that. But now you're telling me we have a methadone clinic here. Yeah, we have. Um, and it's, it's again, based on law, we have to accept it into our program. We will monitor our people that are on MIT, the team, more than somebody independently going and getting. So have this, you been this. keeping stats of success rate without methadone and success rates with methadone? Well, methadone is methadone's too new for us here okay. to do that. Um, I think for me personally, I think for the substance abuse when it relates to the opiates, um, the, the Vivitrol has been more successful. And the reason is it's not a narcotic. Mm-hmm. It, and it's not a pill that you can take back out in the street and sell. It's a shot. Okay. Right. And it, typically it's a once a monther. And typically they're on it for Anywhere from three to six months is the average until they get weaned off. Some will go a little longer, but it affects, I think it personally, my opinion, it has a better effect on people in there. Whatever MAT somebody's on, 
is only effective if they get corresponding treatment at the same time. It's because these drugs are habit-forming, and yes. they are habit, very similar to cigarettes. Yep. And in, in studying um, about your clinic, what you guys do, I, I found an article that most smokers that quit smoking, they go from stop smoking to biting their nails that it's a 90% chance that a, a, a non-smoker now that used to smoke is now biting their nails. And I found that interesting. Is that, are you a nail biter? <laughs> Not really. Oh. But I was a smoker. And uh, thank God I haven't had a cigarette now and going on 41 years. But Fantastic. I was a two-pack-a-day guy. No, or, or that's, and, that's and amazing. We, and uh, I quit, like a lot of the people that are in substance abuse, I quit six times before I had a successful quit. And um, it's a, the other thing about... But, so tell us what pushed you to stop. Well, actually, let's just take a commercial break. Yep. And when we come back, I want to find out what really made you stop smoking. Okay. Because we're talking about habits. This is the Business Report. We'll be right back right after this. And Flagler County went straight to the front row when it came to the need and commitment. Free for All Friday, where local newsmakers talk it out. I mean, we don't swing from chandeliers or anything like that. That half-cent sales tax that we have collected over time has been used in great regards towards our school district. Hi, I'm David Ayers. Join me and Brian McMillan every Friday morning following the news at 9 on WNCF and worldwide on the Flagler Radio mobile app. Good morning and welcome back to the Business Report. I'm your host, Kirk Keller. Um, my guest this morning is Michael Feldbummer with the uh, uh, Drug Court Foundation. Uh, it's a 57-week program, which is I still think is a weird number, yeah. um, to go through. And it is something that it's created to get you out of the habit of drinking or taking drugs and doing those bad things. But right before we went to commercial break, Michael, you were telling me that you used to smoke. And you stopped smoking six times, mm-hmm. which I, we, I hear that a lot about people that stopped smoking. Yeah. What finally made you stop smoking? Well, let me just go quickly back a little bit. Every time I quit and I came back, whatever caused me to relapse, I ended up smoking more the next time. Oh, wow. Okay. So when I was up this, at this point, I was up to about two packs a day. Um, what made me quit is that we were going to have a child in the near future. And I look back, I had a loving, loving father who was a great dad, but he was a heavy smoker. He was a World War II vet, and they were given cigarettes. So most World War II vets came back heavy smokers, and he would sit there and show me, you know, with a cigarette in his hand saying, don't do this, it's not good for you. But what did I see growing up? Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, I can't do that to the child we're going to have. So it gave me what I needed. Everybody needs something to hang on. Why do I want to quit? What's going to help me get through it? So that seventh time was a little over 41 years ago. That was it. Are bad habits and self-esteem connected? Yep. One of the things you'll hear us talk about is the, the the stigma of substance abuse. And if I keep telling somebody that's in substance abuse, you're no good, you'll never be any good, you're only going to be a druggie, you're only going to this, that's all that's going to happen. So, yeah, when you get to that point, which is a big part of what's going on in our world today, 
And what we, you and I talked about is how do we get people, when we get people through different parts of the actual addiction part, how do we get them into the rest of the world? How do we get them back into and being a good citizen, okay? And a lot of that is jobs, okay? Finding a better job than most of them had before they got into the program because a lot of the places they worked helped them get into the program. That's where they get their drugs, yeah. Okay. So what do we do? Okay. So we have to change the mindset of our community and understand that people need another chance. And if they're willing to to do what it takes to get through these programs, they're, they're working harder than most other people are working in their everyday life. That's a fantastic theory. So my question is, do you work with the churches? Because to me, church people can be some of the most judgmental people on earth. Yeah. Well, the answer is yes. And we're blessed here in Flagler County to have several churches that emphasize recovery and welcome it. One of the leaders in recovery in our community is Pastor Charles Solano. Fantastic You probably know him. Yes, sir. Uh, He's one of the guys who got me into doing what I'm doing now. Because I was a volunteer, I went to his church. I was a volunteer at the food pantry for a number of years. Then he decided to open open door reentry and recovery ministry, which was the first housing for men in recovery in our community. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fairly good administrator, and I came in and helped him do that. Our first clients, our first participants, came from drug court, which got me involved in drug court. So that's how my entry into this particular area. And what we're doing right now, I've always had a desire to help people, but coming from the coming from, I didn't have a personal addiction background except for I got cigarettes, which were actually worse than almost any other drug in the world and harder to give up mm-hmm. than any other drug. So you don't have any personal connections to drug-related deaths or family family that have been involved in it that kind yeah. of that kind of made you open up your eyes and say I can help. Yeah, and it was, and it was so long ago that it just you know you had to have to wake up. And people in recovery can be in recovery for in several areas. It can be the actual physical recovery. They can be in recovery because they have family members, and you need that. That's why you have things like Al-Anon and, and Naranon and other groups that deal with family members to help them do what they need to do to help. Um, so. I had back. I had that way back when. Uh, I had uh, my father died when I was eighteen. I had two younger sisters. One of them really took it harder than the other. Ended up in a bad area. Ended up with drugs. Thank God she's been clean for about sixty years now. Excellent. And Fantastic. made a phenomenal life for herself. Um, so I had that experience. I had friends that had parents. I had my best friend growing up. His mother was an alcoholic, and she tried and tried and tried, but it never quite made it. Right. So that area had, uh, and uh, for some reason, uh, I've always had, uh, though I've been in business most of my life, I've also spent a few years as a youth director for the YMCAs. Oh, excellent. So, and that was in the area of helping. So it's been part of who I am. It is now that I retired, okay, and I supposedly have the time. That you have the time, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. And I've been doing this now for about 12 years. Um that I've got heavily involved in it. That's fantastic. A great story. I'm going to go back a couple of steps. You mentioned that you need businesses to hire these people that have just had a tough time, basically. <laughs> They've fallen down, and you're helping them get back on the stairway yep. and, and the runs. 
how do we get in contact with you? If we are a business, we're hearing this program, and I would like to help. And I need to, I need to hire help. Yep. Well, number one, you can give me a call at 401-864-6997. My email address is mfeldbauer, that's F as in Frank, E-L-D as in David, B as in boy, A-U-E-R at gmail.com. Uh, if you wanted to get more information about what these things do and what we expect and what we're looking for and how to help people, give us a call. Um, we're at First Friday down at Flagler Beach. Come down and visit us and talk to us down there. We work very closely with Career Source here in town uh, that if a, if a client needs a little extra help in new jobs, whether it's training in certain areas, writing resumes, they'll help do that. They even have a program that will bond the person. So if you're concerned or you need that extra insurance to hire somebody, you get the, the client will be bonded, plus you get some tax breaks. Uh, talking to individual base uh, and people about, listen, substance abuse is not about the back alleys of New York, Chicago, L.A., Dallas. doesn't matter. It's not a Hollywood movie. Substance abuse has no boundaries. Right. It's in every neighborhood in our community. It doesn't matter where it is. And when we, we've been between the 5th and 10th highest overdose county in 19, 20, and 21, and that overdose was not where most people think it is. That was a question I had for you. Where does Flagler County rank in the state of Florida for drug abuse? Okay. I haven't, again, I haven't gotten the current rank, but between 19, 20, and 21, we were between the 5th and 10th highest overdose based on population. One of those years, we were the highest overdose death county wow. based on population. So they had more deaths in Duval, no numerically, but based mm-hmm. on our population, we were higher. Recently, well, a report came out that statewide, there's many of the counties are seeing a reduction in overdoses. We were up 40%. So we track overdoses, but we don't actually track like arrest and usage, maybe? They, they, they can track arrests. What we do it at, through the drug tour program is that we have a... We track a recidivative rate based on rearrest for a drug-related issue. We are doing excellent. We're above most of the other drug courts. We've run in the mid to high 70s to low 80% of non-recidivative, non-rearrest for a drug-related once they come complete the program. That's fantastic. That is extremely unusual. Usually it's in the below the 50% range for most of the other. Our court system here is small, which enables everybody to spend a little bit more time with the participants, and that helps. Here's the evil question everybody's always wanting to know. Where is the funding coming from? Okay. The drug court itself, the funding comes from from the county through coming down from the feds to Mm -hmm. state to the county. That's for the actual people they have to hire in the drug court program. The drug court foundation... Our funding comes from you, from your neighbor. <clears throat> where, like you said, we're a 100% volunteer organization, and we get funding from a couple of fundraisers a year that we try to do, and we get funding raised. We get money from donations from a variety of people. Not a lot of money. We'd like to get a lot more because we know there's more things we can do, and we're trying to build that option up. Right. So if I want to volunteer, again, the phone number is? Four zero one eight six four six nine nine seven. And if I'd like to make a donation, 
to the foundation? You, yeah, you can go right to our 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 website, which is f c d c foundation dot com, and that and you can hit it there, and you can give us a donation. You can do it a single donation, or you can do a monthly on it. I do have one program, if, if we got a minute to mention. We tried to start a program. We're working on it now. It's called Club 100. We're trying to get 100 Flagler County businesses to commit to donate a large amount of money, $120 a year each. I bet we that can will do give that. Us, that'll give us $12,000 toward our budget, which will make a substantial difference and reduces the amount of big effort you have in fundraising. We have so many good nonprofits. It's tough. Is it? It is indeed. Michael, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. That's the business report for this week. We'll see you next Saturday.